This is the GPL Podcast, part of the Pull Tab Sports family. Uh, this is a 10.8% beer. Danker, ah, beer. That's a loaf of bread. <laughs> yes, it is. Good. <laughs> Hey, I didn't say top 16. Put them, well, put them in the other state tournament in the Atlantic and they win the conference. <laughs> oh, they're in. Oh, he's moving the goalposts. They can, they can <laughs> be 25th in the third place. Oh, my gosh. It's unbelievable. Now, here's Jupiter and Vigo. Welcome to the GPL podcast, episode number 254. Come on, giggling here a little bit, Viggs, because I had a little video clip that I got from a certain web person with uh, our guest tonight when he made his famous uh, appearance on Fox Sports. You know, he's a man behind the scenes, and t- sometimes he's in the scene. So he, he's been uh, around Mary to a lot over the years and helped us immensely. And uh, it's fun to have him on the show, finally. Well, let's bring him in, former Minnesota and Robert Morris SID, Brian Deutsch. You you, you, probably, you didn't see that one coming, did you, Deutsch? You know, I was I was honestly surprised that it didn't make the rounds this week once <laughs> once it came on that I was joining you guys. Uh, and actually, I was telling some people, I was like, there's this one time, man, that I just walked into the shot and I was, that, that's the visitor's bench. What was I doing over there? <laughs> <laughs> but it's great to be with you guys. Uh, exciting weekend for, you know, for me and for my family and, you know, hopefully Gopher fans and Colonial fans. It's always exciting when it's Gopher hockey, man. Um, by the way, I, I actually reached out to our that famous... Uh, TV internet guy C Zero, I think is his uh handle on the internet. Oh yeah. He had the clip. He sent it to me. That and then I just had a little honk in the horn there. <laughs> I just remember that that game. I don't remember the specifics of it, but like my phone was just going off <laughs> constantly. And I don't I don't think I was married yet at the time, but I was definitely with my now wife. And like she texted me and was just like, "Oh my god!" And I was thinking, "What's wrong?" And then I learned what was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just had to include it just for some fun. I know you're a pretty good sport about it. I'm um, also gonna thank you for being on our 250th episode in overtime. You you lasted that overtime. It was nice of you to come on then too. Well, like I said on on X or Twitter this week, you know. 250 plus shows in you guys have clearly ran out of good guests and now you've brought me on but uh, that was a fun that was fun i i had a good time talking uh talking in overtime and even talking a little bit afterwards with just some of the crazy stories that we've all gone through over the last couple years there has been a lot of craziness um you know i i was i i put on the shirt today after i got no one dirty i know this was from the 0708 season they gave us all to the media members at the time and that would have been your first year covering Gopher Hockey for it the Minnesota was. Daily, wasn't it? It was. It was. Uh, I started the year covering Gopher football, and then midway through football season, they said, hey, um, 
we have an opening on the men's hockey beat and I had covered the women's team before and uh, just hopped right in. And I still remember the, my first men's game was Jim Strick's first game as the SID at the time. And we were down at the X and uh, I was like, Hey, can I talk to this guy and this guy and this guy? And he goes, I don't know who any of these people are. And you know, all these years later, it was like, you kind of do get that feeling, you know, even year after year, like, when guys start showing up as freshmen and you're just like, uh, I don't know much about this person, you know, personally. So it's just kind of weird to all of a sudden be like jumping right in and interviewing them. Now, Viggs, were you down there the same time Brian was? It was a little late. That might've been the time when I uh, was in California for a little bit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I was not as involved with Gopher Puck Live. I took a little soiree out to uh, California uh, with my girlfriend who became my fiance, who became my wife. So I think it was a good decision by me to spend some time out there. Uh, but I, I knew Brian pretty well when he took the SID job. And we had campus pizza to kind of kick off that season, which was oh, smart, smart move me of by Brian. Place. Oh. And it was a great relationship built on food from there. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that that first kind of getting to know everybody at campus pizza. That was a good, that was a good time. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that was I'm looking at the comments. Oh, we already got a thank you for you. Thanks, Brian, for setting up a B-Day video from Lacombe, my daughter, two years ago. She's still a Lacombe fan. Uh, yeah. You know what? That was always one of those those fun things to do is to go and, and uh, do personal things with fans and, and uh, get the guys involved. And, you know, a lot of times it was, it was a pain in the butt to maybe uh, schedule it or pull it off. But at the end of the day, almost all the time, guys were big fans of doing it. And I remember, um, again, I don't remember the specifics of when, but we were on a road trip and uh, husband and wife ended up getting married at the rink. And we did a big video congratulating them. And that was just one of those spur of the moment things. And I was like, oh, yeah, everybody kind of got behind it. And it was a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, I think the guys enjoy doing that stuff a lot more than doing like 12 media hits on availability day you know, with local media, national media, other podcasts. So that's the fun part of the job, Brian. And I think you did a great job with it. All the guys would do everything they can to help those, I think. But before you were at Minnesota, where were you, Brian? You you left the University of Minnesota after you graduated. What what happened to you? Well, so I, I graduated from the U in 2010 and I had spent what, three years at the Daily, and then I worked with the football team kind of as an undergraduate assistant my senior year. Then I did a year as an intern with the Gophers, and I worked with uh, wrestling, softball, and soccer, uh, and was the interim men's hockey contact for the draft. I believe that was the year uh, Nick Bukestad got drafted, uh, and th- there wasn't a whole lot to it, and Don kind of just said, yeah, I'll just do my own thing. Don't worry, pal. Uh, but then after that, I had the chance to actually go out to Robert Morris, um, it was my first real taste of being on a staff for a Division One hockey team and uh, doing the exact same thing that I ended up doing back at Minnesota, and that's just kind of where I got my start. And uh, was a kind of a crazy experience and uh, whirlwind because I basically was out there for eleven months, and then um, my then boss at the U, Paul Rovnak, ended up going over. He was the men's hockey contact, mm-hmm. and uh, ended up going over to football and just. One summer day, I got a phone call saying, hey, the job's open. Do you Are you interested in it? And 
I think like two weeks later, I was packing up my house in Pittsburgh and moving home. Wow. That's, well, that's quick. And you were there for 10 years, was it? Was it 10 seasons? I, with, with Minnesota, yeah, 10 years. Yep. So I figured it was a nice round number. Uh, let the torch, let someone else have the torture now. Yeah, you know, I think if we did the math, like the three guys that had been there before me had only been there like less than 10 years. I think um, the lifespan of that position isn't necessarily good for being 10 years. So it, it isn't. It's not like you're Paul Allen at Minnesota State. No. So I don't I don't think anyone would confuse me with Paul Allen. So <laughs> I think ID for a hockey program and college athletics is definitely a challenging spot. You have to have thick skin. There's a lot of demands. There isn't really a playbook for everything that you handle from a day-to-day basis. You have to build it by yourself. And uh, the personalities are strong. (laughs) (laughs) To say the least, Viggs, come on. (laughs) And everybody likes Minnesota. Everybody wants to come back home. So I think it's a good fit for everybody. That is true. Um, Viggs, we did have some hockey over this weekend. CC was in town. Nice to see an old foe, WCHA foe in town. They hadn't been to Mariucci since 2012. And it was a split. Team was just like this once again. A lot of the same frustrations that Bob's been talking about all season. Yeah. I mean, we just keep coming back to this. They're 95% there. You see the skill. You see the talent in the roster. And they, they're able to score goals and produce. It's just, again, these critical mistakes come up by the wrong guys at the wrong place of the rink that is costing Minnesota points. And if we look at Minnesota, you know, they're kind of on this pairwise bubble right now. And it's because of these close games where they're not getting outplayed, but they're just not able to outscore their mistakes. And, you know, last year when you had so much veteran talent, these close games, the Gophers got away with. They were still developing guys like Logan Cooley and Jimmy Stugrud, but they had guys like Brock Faber, Ryan Johnson, Jackson Lacombe, who could pull out all these games at the end. I was talking to uh, Tim Brule from USCHO this week. He's like, last year, Minnesota led the nation in goals and games close at the end. This year, I almost guarantee they're not that high. They have all these close games, and they just can't dig themselves out of it as much as they were last year. And, you know, and it didn't help, you know, it just seems like when things happen, you know, even close kind of had a bad game Sunday Vigs, but then he totally made up for it Monday. And that kind of entails what the entire season's been. It's been kind of just 90% good, but that five or 10% is just killing them at times. Yeah. And it's only really happening on one night a weekend, you look at the game Monday, that's probably the best they've played in a long time. You know, the first period maybe was a little shaky at times, but once they made a little bit of adjustment to their forecheck, they controlled the game. And they made so many plays in transition where the skill set of this roster can just shine. You know, you saw Jimmy Snuggerud, Charlie Strobel, Rhett Pitlick, all just coming through for the Gophers. Mm-hmm. capitalizing on transition chances. And it was funny talking to Chris Mayotte after the game from CC. He's like, sometimes when you play a team like Minnesota, 
them scoring doesn't really mean you're playing poorly. It's just that they are so good when you give them some space or you mess up, they take advantage and you can't get away from your game plan. And Mayotte thought as the game went on, CC kind of got rattled and Minnesota just saw blood in the water and capitalized. Our guy, Nate Wells, said, you know, your prediction of uh, Snugrood going off and being player of the week was just a series too early. Maybe just a little bit. Uh, he <laughs> definitely went off. You know, he started well against Ohio State, but just couldn't finish that weekend. Maybe he was thinking ahead to saving some goals mm-hmm. from Sweden. But when he came back, uh, there was no doubt. You know, five goals in a weekend puts him second nationally, uh, leading the team. That's the Jimmy Snuggerud that Minnesota hopes they have going forward for the rest of the season. And maybe we'll make him a Hobie Baker candidate if he can keep scoring. And Brian, uh, one of your favorite guys, Justin Close, got to his 50th win in literally just two, exactly two years after being essentially a nobody, a third stringer when you were there and all the controversy that happened Two years ago this week. I was going to say, you know, 50 wins for that guy. I, I I don't know that he would even have predicted that. I mean, he was always very confident. And I know I know Bob Motzko was always very um, uh, courteous and uh, politically correct of saying, you know, like, closer's right there. He's right there. We, we could play closer. And even at the time, it's just like, oh, okay, but, you know, we got these other guys that are in front of him. And then – circumstances change and he got, got thrown in there. And uh, the one thing that I always appreciate, I haven't talked to closer that much since I've left, but uh, you know, the person that he was when he was the third string goalie coming in and staying out late for practice and doing whatever was asked of him. That's the same person that he was when he was the starter and leading the Gophers of the frozen four. Uh, and, you know, I talked to him a couple weeks ago when I was at the rink and, you know, it's just the same guy. And it's just like, he's such a, you, it's almost, um, you'd almost forget that he's a division one athlete. Cause he's just like the most normal guy in the world. And you can talk to him about anything and, uh, just can't say enough about how much fun it was to follow him along. And, and that year, that year that I had with him, oh, I had two years with him really, but, uh, um, when he took over as a starter and to see how well he did and then to carry that into last year and lead them even farther. It's just unbelievable to see. Yeah. I, I definitely see that with closer is he's just so consistent. When we did our watch party at, at Tom's watch bar downtown, uh, Steven came up and he's like, Hey, you know, do you think they're going to move on and give area game here or there, you know, especially after the way close played on Sunday night. And I was just like, you know, I don't think so. You know, he came back for a fifth year. The locker room respects him so much. You know, you got to give him a chance to bounce back. And he definitely did. You know, closer plays consistent. And if the team in front of him plays consistent, he can shine. I think when he gets a lot of transition plays against him or there's a lot of chaos where the Gophers lose their structure, that's where he isn't going to be his best because he's not a big goalie. That's why you have all these coaches like he works hard and all that, but it's hard to give him a chance. You know, NHL teams don't give sub six goaltenders a chance. Justin's just not that big. And so you're worried about that. And when the Gophers have that chaos, that's not going to be great for him. And so I think for him to have the stats that he's having, he's got to have that structure in the D zone. 
And I gotta say, Vix, I had no idea that goalie masks could fit a stick through <laughs> the eye socket. I just happened to capture that Sunday night when he on the fifth goal he gave up stick going right into the helmet. I had no idea there was enough room for that. Yeah, and that's why that cat eye cage is not necessarily approved for younger players, is because. Things can still get through there. Pucks can sometimes squeeze through, and and sticks can too. Yeah, that was. I, a... always, I always wanted one of those masks. I thought it was so cool <laughs> and absolutely like. I don't, my parents were not big sports people, but I think they had the uh, foresight to be like, that, "That's a bad idea. You you don't need that." <laughs> did you have the Hasek like just the normal steel cage, Brian, when you were playing goalie? Or did I did that when I first started, and then you know my parents were they they spoiled me and. I had some pretty nice helmets, so. Oh, that's good. Protect that. You have the full glass. You know they used to have that for a time. The plexiglass, like for goalies. I didn't see many of the bubble goalie masks, but you know you had the big plastic. It was more of a uh, neck protectors. You are old. Shearhorn used to do that, right? I mean, it was pretty common for a couple years there, having that big glass neck protector. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Might get an extra save out of that thing. Um, I we, we've talked about this Vegs. They're kind of they're really on the bubble for for pairwise. Um, splitting this weekend probably didn't do them any favors, especially on home ice. Now, we'll talk about Robert Morris coming up, but uh, they really do need to start putting stringing some wins wins together here. I don't know if the split with CC is going to hurt them a ton either, you know, because CC swept North Dakota, so that's going to help their ranking. So yeah, we're rooting for CC the rest of the way out. Keep winning CC. That would help. That would be helpful, and I think Minnesota is going to be okay when you compare them against NCHC teams based on how they've played. Mm -hmm. You know, they don't have a situation where they're going to lose comparisons to those schools uh, because you know they they split at North Dakota and then they split at home with CC you know, um, took care of uh, a split with uh, Duluth too, basically Mm -hmm. a little bit of an advantage because the OT stuff, I think. So I I think they're okay there. The the key is, of course, going to be to keep it going and not drop any points here to Robert Morris in the pairwise. Um, But I thought the Gophers played well. I really liked seeing Strobel and Middlestat on that fourth line together. We've mm-hmm. seen them swap for each other in the lineup pretty consistently this year. I think that was the first time we saw them on a line with Jimmy Clark and, and Pino sitting out. They look strong. Middlestat got the goal on Sunday. Strobel gets a goal on Monday. They were positive in the plus-minus on Monday. That's something that Motsko is going to need from his fourth line going forward is a, is a line that's positive. Don't give anything up. If you score anything on top of that, that's the cherry on the Sunday. All right, Beaks, we need to talk about one of our sponsors here. We'll just hide uh, Deutscher here for a second. Our guys at Chill Boys. Hey, you were giving away some Chill Boys stuff Monday, weren't you? Yeah, if you were at Tom's Watch Bar with us on Monday, I had lots of Chill Boys stuff. I had the bamboo boxers, I had the boxer briefs, and I had the performance boxers. So hopefully the fans that show there got some we left them in some of the goodie bags for tom's watch bar too you know they're just awesome material you know they're going to keep everything cool down there you probably needed to have something cool down there if you're watching the game on sunday and getting a little heated 
So chill boys, uh, go to their website, use pull tab 15 for 15% off. I'm going to the Dominican this week and I'm bringing as many chill boys as I can. Gonna need it, pigs. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Definitely gonna need it. But also one of our newer sponsors, Cub Foods. I know you go to Cub Foods quite often. Yeah, you, I live in Northeast. Even, you even run into players at Cub Foods in the past, I think. I have. I, I live in Northeast Minneapolis, so I'm right by that quarry Cub Foods. And, you know, they're local and Cub Foods loves local sports. They're on PJ Flex headset. You know, they sponsor the Wild on 7th. They sponsor us. And, uh, you know, they've got everything you need. You know, some of these stores around town, their inventory isn't always great. If you're looking for something you need, Cub Foods is the spot. They've got the freshest milk in town and uh, love stopping at Cub. Definitely. So thank you for Cub and Chill Boys for being sponsors of the GPL podcast. Bring Deutscher back. It looks like he's giggling at us. Well, that you're just bringing back uh, fond memories for, for me going to the quarry and going to that grocery store. I, I hit that place up like for 10 years as a student and then as a full-timer employee. So. <laughs> easy love, and easy out guys, at Cub. I love when your guys' sponsors match up with my uh, my needs. <laughs> well, that's great. Big uh, Genie, you kind of talked about, uh, you know, uh, Pina Nimi being in and out, or actually he's out for the first time, switching in with, you know, and you've got uh, Strobel mixing in with Middlestead. A lot of the fans had been kind of calling for Pino to maybe do some setting and he hadn't done that. And, and maybe uh, a little credence was b built on that from the game Monday. I think it's going to be hard to break up that line going into Robert Morris when you need some consistency. I know I got another question at Tom's watch bar about whether Bob might dress 13 forwards and only 60 as he sorts out this fourth line. And I told him <laughs> that Bob likes to go 7D because the theory is if you have one of those guys get injured or one of those guys get a game misconduct, it's a lot easier to bring in that seventh forward in your 6D and run a lineup for the game. That is have a 13th forward, try to figure out how to get those guys ice time because you're struggling sometimes to get those fourth line guys ice time anyway. Now that I've had some time to think, maybe Robert Morris is the weekend where you might dress 13 forwards because I have a feeling Bob's going to want to give Pino another chance. I know some of the fans might not want to give him another chance, but if you're going to do that, this would be one to maybe do okay. that. I yeah. like the fourth line the way it was, but we've got a long ways to go in the second half, and you, you want to keep everybody engaged and give them opportunities to play. And Pino's put in his time with the program. We'll see what happens. I just really liked Strobel, Clark, and Middlestad together. One quick thing I did want to hit. Do you think Mason Nevers has recovered from that hit initially this season? Because zero goals, I think five assists before Monday's game. I didn't see if he had anything on Monday. I don't believe he did, but not Nevers-type numbers this season. That whole line has not looked... Yeah, like they did last year, and and I'm not sure what it is with them right now, but they're not driving the ground game like they did last year, where they could control play and transition with other lines, and maybe it's because the line that they're coming out for hasn't set it up for them where they can establish something. You know, last year that nice Cooley line was just so dynamic that if you came out after them, the other teams kind of spent. 
this year that really hasn't been the case the the nelson line has had to maybe had to establish the possession and the momentum and they just haven't done that as consistently i don't think the concussion helped obviously you probably lose a little bit of your legs and conditioning and you can't push through it uh, but that whole line has still got some work to do in the second half. Well, I just think some of it is that Nevers is kind of the spark plug on that line. He's the one who really likes to go dig into corners and just bring the puck out and set the other two up. And I, I my thinking was, you know, maybe that, you know, that big hit jarred him and he's maybe a little tentative in bringing that back to his game. It could be. You know, it's hard to tell what's going on. It's also these guys have been doing it for a long time, and I'm sure they want to get to March, but there's a lot of work that has to happen from now even until the playoffs. So they've got to find their game and, and figure out what works best for them. You know, Nelson hasn't been as dominant in the faceoff circle as you would like. You know, he's hovering around 50.5%. That's not an ideal for him. And I know Motsko is really concerned about the whole team in the faceoff circle. They have to be better there. You know, if they're going to be a team that's dangerous, they need better performance in the faceoff circle, especially with Nelson. All right, all right. Now I was just kind of curious because I, you know, I just I hadn't looked at the stats. I'm like, you know, I I know Brodzinski scoring and Brodzinski's been up there in scoring this year, but I've. I think it's come with some of his power play play, but um, I, was, I was just a little concerned about Nelson. Or, well, Brozzi just never, seems to pop. Brozzi just seems to pop. Like he's got that kind of game where he just needs that little he's bit of space and, and he'll take advantage, but he's never, never been the player who's going to drive play. We've seen moments of him at times where he looks more engaged on the four check and with effort on the rush, but it's been a little inconsistent, and one of the big problems for the Gophers so far is getting stretched out. He's always you know, been there. that way, hasn't he, Deutsch? Brodsky's always been all over the place. He'd get five, you know five goals and five games, and then you wouldn't see him for ten games. I I only remember all the big goals he scored. <laughs> it makes your write up a little better, doesn't it? When you when he's got a big goal, you know what I. I always have a deep appreciation for the guys who uh, are excited to talk to media and do a really good job about it. And uh, in most of my experiences with Brodzy, he certainly was good at it and was open to talking. And that's all it takes to make him one of my favorite players. Oh, but he gave away his secret on that podcast with the Parker Fox, though, didn't he, Viggs? He, he sure he did. Loved, he just loves to go regurgitate what Bob just told them in the locker room. <laughs> that is a smart player right there. You know, he, he often gets in Bob's doghouse and, you know, maybe doing that gets him out of it a little bit too. I do. I do like vaguely remember several times, you know, Bob liked to be the first one to go in and talk post game and several times like Brodzy would like sneak in and like almost just hear exactly what Bob was saying. And then I'm sure, I don't know if anyone ever caught that at the time, but probably did just regurgitate the exact same things he gave himself up he gave himself up <laughs> it was pretty good so that's one of those fun things i mean how is your blood pressure these days is it My? better brian is, is is it more relaxing that you don't have people like me saying what uh you know genzel said on a bench causing trouble <laughs> or you know we're picking it's, out the wrong guy in the wrong game. No, he's not coming out. No, 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 no. This other guy. 
have, have, have you have you brought your blood pressure down? I feel like it's gone down considerably. My stress level is just way down. That's um, good. You know, I still, I think, uh, I think if you ask my wife, I'll still kind of like when I'm watching a game, I'll be pacing around uh, and just like, <laughs> you know, worried. And you know, you guys know, like when we, it, it's not that it's not that wins and losses were my life, but like life was just easier when we would win a game. So I always wanted to win. Yeah. Yeah. You're not um, wrong. You're not wrong. Yeah, and, and even um, even that game that I helped out stats a couple, of, you know, whatever, two months ago now, it's like, oh, it's kind of nice that the game's over and I'm just kind of free to go home. Don't have to worry about any of this. <laughs> Wait, but the stats broke down that night, though, didn't it? I think that's what Rob was saying. Yeah, we're having all kinds of issues. Yeah, they had a couple. And then, I, as I recall, we had, um, you know – uh, a bug that kind of we hadn't seen before. And, you know, the stat system, the new stat system is not new anymore, but it's still only like three years old. Mm-hmm. And I would imagine, you know, obviously I'm not seeing it every game, but I have noticed that a lot of teams are having problems with it. Um, and I'm, when I say problems, I mean like getting live stats out. And that was always something that was weird too, of like, you know, we're, we're doing 20 games a year at home. I'm not changing anything in the stats. Why? How come something's going wrong tonight? I don't understand this. Mm-hmm. Um, it has been a little buggy this year or yeah. the last couple of years, but that's good. It's it's not your job anymore. It's like you said, you were just filling in to actually take, keep a track of the stats that night because they were short of people. But you don't have people like me saying, why isn't the stats up? Uh, I'm at home. Why isn't this up? Yeah, we had a fun one this weekend where uh, Aaron Huglin got credited for an assist and we're like, he wasn't even on the ice. And Jess is going, Did, was there a line change? Is Huglin now playing in more spot? What the hell is going on out there? Yeah. It was and, red pill like on the assist. And, but you know what though? Like I, I, I worked in, I worked division one hockey for 11 years. I, I saw the guys inputting stats. I would go in and have to like edit some things after games. Sometimes, you know, things get changed, you know, scoring summaries get changed or whatever. Um, when you sit there and you watch it happen, it is just so like, you don't watch the game. You're literally like, watching the stats you need to track. Mm-hmm. And, um, for anyone who has like complaint, you know, I, I get, you can have realistic complaints about it. It'd be nice if the stats were right all of the time. And if they were working all the time, but like a lot goes into making that, oh, yes. uh, make that whole stat system work. And, and from, from the people who are actually running the program to the guys upstairs running, you know, inputting stats, like it's not an easy job. Um, I'm, I got dragooned into doing it again on Friday this weekend, and I'm just oh. not looking forward to it at all. So. Oh, nice. Well, yeah, well, maybe we can thing... get funded oh, for shots because I was looking at who's leading the nation in shots, and I bet you nothing that you can guess what team he plays for. I, no comment. Penn State. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, one thing that was, you know, that I always liked about the stats crew here is that, you know, a lot of times you're just not going to see something live and you might not even see it on the first or second replay. But at, at those times, you know, you might have a player come up to you and say, yeah, actually that went off my stick or something. And you would go back to the stats team and I, we would come up after media and they'd be reviewing something just to see yeah. going back over almost frame by frame, checking to see, oh, yeah, yep, there it is. And they would update the stats. And I know, I know it's easy to complain about the stats in terms of, you know, 
oh, hey, I should have had more shots on goal. I should have had more saves. I should have had one more face-offs. But, like, just credit to that group of guys that have been doing it since before I came here, before I was even here as a student at the Daily, the investment that they put in to give up their Friday night, their Saturday night, uh, and to stay until 1130 sometimes, um, you know, I have nothing but love for all those guys and, and everyone who's helped out, you know, we've had a, a big, big crew over the years and um, it's fun to be a part of that group. Um, but it's also a lot of work. And and I, you know, like I said, the first time I really experienced that, I was like, I thought I was going to go come in and be glad handing. Hey, everybody. It's so great to be back. And like, I just sat at the computer the entire game and I was like almost overwhelmed. <laughs> Quick question for you. Did you ever have Tomps keep track of some extra Penn State stats while you guys were on the road? <laughs> Tell you if it was a really a shot or not? Because I can't. It's going to sound like I'm complaining, but like those guys are so dedicated that when we would go on the road, they would still like help stat the game mm-hmm. to the point that they would like, you know, I'm, I'm sitting there. If I'm, if I'm um, watching the game, like I don't have a monitor in front of me. I'm seeing it live and then I'm seeing it on a video board, if anything. But like those guys would be texting me of like, hey, just so you know, that might have tipped off of this guy or uh that goal should have gone to this person, yada yada. Um, and yes, while that was very uh, appreciative in certain cases, there were also some times where it was like, guys, I know where we are. <laughs> I sort of have to pick my battles. There's gonna be fifty of, shots no matter yeah, what. And, and the other thing too for that, like when you're on the road, the home team is the official stats mm-hmm. book. So like, what are, what are we going to do? Like go through and be like, Hey, you need to take that shot off. Cause it wasn't a shot. Are we going to do that 15 times a game? No, we're not. Even though they needed to make, I would say they've gotten a little better at Penn state. I have noticed it's been a little better the last couple of years. I always think a good barometer for Penn State is look at the stats for their home games and their road games, yeah. and it's probably somewhere in the middle. Probably. Unfortunately, they don't play many now, non-conference games on the road. Now, I, I would also say, to be the devil's advocate, I would say a lot of teams come in to Mariucci and say that we are way too strict on goal summaries. And that, you know, what's, what's you know, a, a possession is an arbitrary decision sometimes and i think our you know and and fans might not like this but i think our our stat crew is actually probably very conservative in what how they call it yeah they used to do the final five every year no they're very good for the last seven or eight years of the final five they definitely did it They've done a couple frozen fours as well when they were at the X. Hopefully they'll get to do it this time. I don't know. You know, the one the one I always like to call out is when we had the outdoor game at, at it was TCF Bank Stadium, oh. but you know, trying to figure out how we were gonna stat a game from Was it Brownie field. down by the ice? Yeah, so we, we had we had someone down, it was Brownie. We had him down at ice level, basically like relaying the play by play to us, I think. And that was, that's a weird one. Like, I know that happened, but I was running around all over the place that night. So, like, I never even talked to the stats guys. And, <laughs> that was a cold and, one. <laughs> and they pulled double duty because they did the women's game, too. There you go. Wow. 
the wild crew is the antithesis of of the PC. PC. Yeah. What can you do? What can you do? Well, let's get into Robert Morris here in a bit. But first, we need to hear from more of our sponsors. Jake Middleton here, Director of Hair and Hygiene for the Minnesota Wild. How did I get this important role with the team, you ask? I'd like to think it was because of hard work, but the truth is, I run hot. Yep, I'm a sweater. In my role as Director of Hair and Hygiene, I'm sort of like a player coach. Let me pull out the grease board here. Well, it's not actually a grease board, because there is nothing dirty about Duke Cannon. How do I help the guys stay squeaky clean? Helpful reminders. It's simple. Tarps off, Duke Cannon on. Say it with me. Tarps off, Duke Cannon on. Tarps off, Duke Cannon on. Pick the scent that suits you. Sawtooth. Thick body wash. Extra thick. And my favorite, Midnight Swim. Tarps off, Duke Cannon on. Duke Cannon. Work harder, smell better. Are you tired of the same old fundraisers? Paying $15 for a stale bag of popcorn? Chocolate candy bars melting in your car? And more frozen pizzas than you have freezer space? Introducing Ferta Fundraisers, a fundraising company with as much personality as the people who play the game. It's big, throw gas, yeah. dingers. Big dump for the boys. Choose from great products made by local companies, flexible plans built around your needs. Sell how you want and be supported from start to finish. Deliver max return without charging people a fortune. It's never been easier to support your community. Ignite your fundraising with FURTA Fundraisers. FURTA Boys, FURTA Girls, FURTA Community, FURTA Fundraisers. And, of course, we thank FURTA Fundraisers and Duke Cannon for sponsoring the GPL podcast. Must win this weekend, Vigs. By the way, if you were at Tom's Oh, wait a second. What do you you got got some of this? So we'll have more stuff to give away later on this year. TBD. But we've got stuff to give away later, too. Oh, thanks for bringing that up. Thanks, Duke, and thanks, Verda. I was just going to say, this is a a must-win weekend, Vigs. No ties, no nothing else. Nothing against uh, Deutsch's former team, but they're not that good, and they're just back from... The dead, essentially. Well, they are back from the dead. So this whole roster is a work in progress, and mm-hmm. they have struggled this year. You know, I was looking at their their wins. It's not great. You know, Stonehill, Niagara, Simon Fraser, Bentley. They beat Bowling Green the first weekend of the year when Bowling Green was going through their chaos of their player who was stealing stuff from their equipment room and all that. So. Not a lot of good stuff happened on there. They're getting outshot like 40 to 25 pretty much every night. You can't lose to this team. No. And I know how hard it is to restart a program, but they're 62nd in the pairwise. Mm-hmm. Important weekend for Minnesota to play solid. You know, when Eric Sherhorn is talking about a get right game, get right weekend, this is one of them. And I see your face, Deutsch, and I have a feeling you're reading this, this, this comment here. Tommy. <laughs> wants to remind you the swear jar is active this weekend. Puck hound I, is probably it could be it could be Tom's. It, you never know. 
I feel like uh, I have immunity from all swear jars at the University of Minnesota. So <laughs> I think I think the boys tried to find me a couple times, and I was like, "Good luck. You ain't gonna find my wallet." So <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I just happened to see that pop up there. Um, Josh Svensson, is this the first time we played Robert Morris since the regional? Did they play him at a regional? Yeah, 2014. Really? At Excel, right? Yep. And the first round was the auto bid. Yep. Really? Yeah, they were they were hot that year too. Uh that was uh what my second year with the team, and I, I remember just thinking like, oh, an Atlanta copy team. Nothing to be worried about there. <laughs> Uh, tell that to St. Cloud State and AIC. So, hey, we don't throw stones in our glass house. So, uh, true. So, uh, yeah, it it would be devastating. These they lose a game this weekend, they're gonna drop like a rock, and it would be all bad. Yeah, it would be bad. Brent, do you know much about what's going on at Robert Morris? I mean, Derek Schooley's back as the coach uh, for Gopher fans who maybe don't know. He's a longtime guy there, kept everything going. He was on the USCHO podcast while he was away. He stuck with the podcast, even when he got back behind the bench, which is kind of fun to hear his perspectives. But, you know, they had to just start from scratch basically again. Well, and I mean, the crazy thing is, you know, they their program didn't exist for two years. Um, and I don't remember the exact timeline of, you know, from when they when they cut the programs to when they brought them back or announced they were bringing them back. But there was a time where, Schooley and Logan Biddle were like running co-ed practices with 10 total players on the ice based off of what their roster size was at the time. And so like to see those guys stick around, you know, I, I, I still talk to coach Schooley a little bit every now and then, but you know, we're not that close, but like, I would assume there were options when that program was originally cut for him to find somewhere else to go. And the fact that he didn't take off and that Logan Biddle on the women's side didn't take off and they stayed the course. And it's really kind of commendable how they brought both those programs back from the dead. Um, and I know they had a ton of help, you know, they had that uh, a colonial hockey foundation and they had a big fundraising charity game and they did, they, they went so, so deep in trying to fundraise to bring those programs back and, and develop kind of a community mentality behind those programs it's just cool to see him back. And, uh, you know, I, I would almost say not following that team that closely, but they probably have never had more confidence this season than they did after absolutely crushing Stonehill last weekend. And they're more rested than the Gophers. That will be true. Dumb question. Number one, it's been a long time since I've been in school and how things work at some of those smaller schools. Do some of those coaches still teach classes? Not it wasn't at Robert Morris. Um, okay, I I, I think I'm sorry. I, that my, that face was me thinking, not me like judging that question. But because um, like I other think more at like the D three level, you'll sure see that. It was a small school thing, or if it was a big school thing, I think it's more of a D three thing. Yeah. Okay. That's typically. And there's there's um. I like I remember the the golf coach at Robert Morris also did like some administrative stuff. And the, at the AD at the time was actually the softball coach too. And that can kind of go across the board yeah, um, that makes from sense. NCAA programs. But, uh, and then there's also times that, you know, where coaches like want to coach. And I, I can't remember who somebody, somebody had like a, I know it's popular in football where you have like a leadership class taught by the football coach. 
And I know Glenn Mason, I taught tennis or coached tennis when he was at Kent State. So it can happen at the group of five schools as well. Well, yeah, I just remember because I, I actually had Don Bros at Mankato when I was there as a badminton coach, you know, badminton class. But that was right as they were about to turn D1. So they weren't technically, they were still technically D3 at the time. So like you said, it's probably a D3, a D3 thing, but he was such an old school guy. He may have kept teaching some of those old gym classes, even when he became a D1 coach, who knows? Yeah, I remember at St. Olaf, we had coaches doing like kinesiology mm-hmm. and athletic training. And there was like a coaching like thing you could take where, you know, Sean Goldsworthy, who was the hockey coach, taught Dan Kosmoski, who was the basketball coach, Matt McDonald, who was the baseball coach, Paul Miller, who was the football coach. They would all teach like a, a week or two. And it was just kind of fun to, to hear their experiences. Okay. Do we see Ari this weekend? I think there's a potential where we see him if the game is well in hand. Like if we've got like a 6-1 game going into the third period, I would think there's a chance. Mm-hmm. But Bob has bristled at every question about Ari getting time in the net. Uh, we have a radio personality, Wally Shaver, who likes to bring it up very frequently about Nathan <laughs> Ari's health. And if there's a plan for a rotation and you just see Bob go, nope, no plans. We'll figure it out. Don't worry about it. We well, like Justin. What What was his injury status? Like, uh, I, I don't know if I need specifics or anything, but like, has he has he been 100% for two months and he just hasn't had ice time? Yeah. No, he, he wasn't cleared to play. He had a lower body injury that they kind of discovered just before camp. And he was held pretty much off the ice until December. And he would come on the ice every once in a while just in his pads to kind of get the feel of wearing all the goalie pads and being on the ice. But he wasn't doing drills or instruction or anything like that. It's just recently that he's been cleared to play. And, you know, as we saw in the development game, he he looked pretty good. He was technically very sound, handled his rebounds, um, was a steady goaltender. So I think he's probably close to being ready to play at this point after going through a lot of conditioning the last five, six weeks. And the kind of the reason I asked, though, Viggs, is that you think of two years ago, LaFontaine played every game. Closer didn't see anything until all of a sudden Laffer's gone. And he was thrown in the fire with nothing really out there. I think he might have came in for a short time. And they thought last like seven seconds in Wisconsin. Yes, it's so <laughs> ridiculous like that. But it, it, I think the fans were like, yeah, sure, it's going to be Robert Morris. Maybe they would like to see him play an actual game that means something. But then it's like, you know, Bob even said, you know, maybe he should have played close a little bit to get him, you know, get him some legs in case something happened and then something happened all of a sudden he was just thrown in there. So that's just kind of the thinking I'm kind of going with here. I think if Minnesota was like fourth in the pairwise, he'd get a game. But I think where things are at, where they're kind of on the bubble, you don't want to mess around and have something happen where then maybe Aerie doesn't have a good game and you got to bring in close anyway. And then your goalie's confidence is now kind of shot going forward. Now, I don't think that that would happen, but typically when Minnesota is going to play a team like Robert Morris, there's only going to be 15, 20 shots 
and probably four or five of those will be odd man rushes. That's a tough situation for a goalie anyway. And so it's, it just doesn't make a lot of sense to me to force something where you don't have to. And, you know, if, if closer gets hurt and then Ari knows he's the guy, that's a totally different situation for Ari to deal with as well, because he knows that there isn't probably going to be a short hook on him. So he can play relaxed and confident. So complicated situation. Can the, can the stats nerd in me ask a question? Go for how it. far away. How far away is closer from the shutout record? I would have known this a couple of weeks ago, but I think it's like two or three. Like, I think he's that's getting really close. For me. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's a good point. If he hasn't given up anything, they're going to let him keep playing. I have the convenience of not having to care about any other factors other than what's good publicity. <laughs> Something to think about. I saw Ryan Cake's question here. Question on the officiating this past week, and Bob seemed to be getting really frustrated with the younger of the two officials Monday night. Is he new to the conference? And that was Ryan K. Um, I did notice the younger referee in this series was someone I didn't recognize, so I'm assuming he's new. Um, the other one was had been there forever. Um, so I don't really know. Viggs, any thought? I you I'm not 100 sure either. What the uh, we didn't really get a lot of Motsko on Sunday night in the post game, mm-hmm. and on Monday night we had plenty to talk about other than officiating. Maybe it's something we'll bring up tomorrow at availability, just you know, clarifying what was going on there because he did seem pretty vocal at times with the officials. So he did. I'm just I'm just trying to look at the stats myself. See if I can see. This sheet doesn't tell me. All right, that's gonna be an overtime topic. It's gonna have to be because I can't find it either, real quick. Here. <laughs> oh well. <laughs> what do you do? My, All right. My days of caring about the officiating are long over, so yeah. come on. Come on. Give us something here. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> um, I, I'm predicting sweep. I think that. Uh, I think Deutsch, you, you might have something there. I think Closer probably plays as long as he doesn't give up a goal. I it multiple I like times that. tonight. Multiple times tonight has bothered me that I I have a hard time talking about like the the strategy of hockey, and then Vigo says something, and it's like, oh, you know, that makes perfect sense. And I could absolutely see if like you know if the shutout's out of the question and, and the Gophers were leading big, maybe you make a change there. But see, I think if there's a shutout in play you're going to let your goalie stay in. So that's why I'm like, if it's 6-1, you know, you might make the change to start the third period. But I don't don't mess around with your goalie right now. There's you know, floor. Closer's pretty even-headed, but. Floor piping in, of course. Which ones Which ones do you recognize? I, I don't know which one's the younger one. Brian Aaron's a pretty regular guy. Well, there you go. Then it was Kevin Corbett was the newer. Okay, Craig, help us out. How new is he? You're watching. Just, we we know you're in tough. your garage right now. Tell us. <laughs> By the way, one of the uh, one of the referees, John, I can't remember his last name. Um, he's close to my age, actually. His last series is going to be the Penn State series at Mariucci. He's he's hanging him up. And Laura has no clue. <laughs> A lot of help you are. Jeez. 
There was a lot of stuff though. You know what? You know what? Let's let's talk about referees for a little bit because uh, the the one thing people might recognize from Robert Morris alums is they actually have two NHL referees and Furman South. And I don't know if Brandon Blandina still is a referee, but at one time he was. Uh, and so it is kind of always cool to see those guys. They were there when I was there and to see them officiating NHL games is always cool. Nice. And Florida remind me it was Jonathan Morrison who's retiring. Yeah. They've been so a lot of the, there's like a, there's like three linesmen that get a lot of the games. There's a couple new ones now too, but they've been linesmen for 10, 15 years in the WCHA and now big 10. They've been there a long time. I've gone back and looked at old photos 10 or more years ago. And I see Sam, Nick, and John, the, the three kind of regulars at Mariucci. So good guys, good guys. So Viggs, I'm predicting sweep. I assume you're predicting sweep. I hope so. I hope so. I am predicting a sweep. Uh, this should be a no doubter for Minnesota against Robert Morris. There's just so much firepower for the Gophers right now. I really like the Pitlick, Moore, Snuggerud line. You know, one of the things Bob mentioned, he's like, they're doing great in transition. They're starting low above pucks and they're getting the defenseman involved in transition. You saw Sam Renzel join the rush with them in the third period against Colorado College on Monday. That's their game. What they need to do to take the next step is to have a little bit more of a ground game. And we saw some of this from Oliver Moore this weekend. I think his world junior experience maybe shaped his game a little bit more where he's making possession plays. Because when you come down the wing and you're on a one-on-one or a two-on-two and you fire a shot from outside the dot above the goal line, That's either a puck going into the corner for a puck battle or it's a frozen puck by the goalie. It's not a great goal scoring chance unless you're Jimmy Snuggerud. So the smarter play there is to take it deep and find an option. Do an escape move. Look for your teammates. Get the ground game going. And if that line can add that to their bag of tricks, look out everybody because that's a big step for them. And they got to stop beating, trying to beat everybody on the rush. Sometimes you got to go that next level. Maybe the bigger question is the snugger take over the NCAA lead in goals this weekend. He's not going to shy away from shooting pucks. Definitely you know, not against, uh, I expect him to get 10 a night. I was what do they, what do they call it? Point night? Like, Hey, just pad those stats boys. That's <laughs> no joke. All right, Deutscher, you, you, you did work for Robert Morris, but you're an M guy. So I'm assuming you're picking sweep. Well, but you're I not was thinking really about see Friday game since you're working it though. I I I, uh, I was thinking about this, and I don't think I've ever expected the Gophers to lose any game. So why start now? <laughs> uh, I love Robert Morris to death, uh, but I, I I'm gonna go with a sweep too. It would be kind of cool. I was reading something in one of the Pittsburgh newspapers this morning. Um, you know, they have a couple Minnesota guys, and a bunch of them have you know a huge crowd of fans coming to see them play and. Uh, they said, you know, the, the typical things that Minnesotans who come back to play against the Gophers, you know, I grew up watching the Gophers uh, yeah. and they want to, they want to put on a good show in front of their fans and their family. And that's always kind of cool to see, especially now kind of from an outside perspective, like I definitely can understand that. And uh, you know, hopefully they have a good showing for themselves and for their program. Yeah. Like I remember when Hunter Johannes came back and played a Mary Jean and scored, you could just tell like that made the weekend for him. 
you know, not a great moment for Gopher fans seeing that. And uh, he's doing well for himself now at North Dakota. But for him to have that moment is pretty cool. I think you see that with guys who come back all the time. If they have a good night, anything on the score sheet, it's memorable for them. I do think the big thing to look for, though, is does Closer get the two shutouts and tie Briggs for the shutout record? Because it is 13 and he is at 11. That's a lot of pressure. That's a lot of pressure. He's just so gonna calm make 50 saves. Collected, though. He's so calm though. Is it well, really I, pressure? I asked him, him, I asked him once, you know, you know, what are you thinking at the third period when you know it's three nothing? He's like, Well, I'm not thinking about letting in a goal, that's for sure. <laughs> if that's what you're getting at, you dummy. Goalies don't think like that. And I was like, I bet there are some out there who do. They're just like, I gotta get this shutout. No he, goals. He definitely doesn't. No goals, just like that TV commercial. No goals. Well, Brian, thanks for coming on the show with us. You know, we, we're, we're low on guests, so we had to dig deep somewhere, didn't we? Kind of what you're saying? I, I was a little afraid that at the 11th hour, you guys are going to be like, oh, we actually got someone who knows how to talk about hockey. So <laughs> This is the perfect fit, Brian. It's Robert Morrison, Minnesota. This is a matchup made for you. So. Yeah, I'm. This is going to be a really fun weekend. I'm excited to see some of the staff members that I still know there. I'm excited to see all the people in Minnesota again too. So, uh, and and honestly, uh, I we're we're looking. I think this is the first game I'm gonna I'm gonna bring my son and my wife on Saturday, and we've never gone to a game together. And I don't think I've gone to a game as a fan since my freshman year of college in 2006. So wow. it, uh, I'm really excited actually, and yeah, I, I do I, need to give. I do need to give my wife a plug. It's her birthday today, and uh, she allowed me to do this. But she's out uh, with a well-earned uh, celebration with some of her friends. So I just Ooh, want to say she's partying with the ladies, isn't she? <laughs> Press some dad I, duty then to, to get the boy down for, for bedtime. Well done, I, Brian. I'm blessed that he stayed asleep. <laughs> Winning at life. <laughs> I got home at about 6 p.m. and was like, okay, can we put him to bed now? <laughs> <laughs> the answer was no <laughs> oh well kids what do you do what do you do but thank you for coming on Viggs. you got anything going on in the hopper well we just posted something on gpl as we kicked off the podcast on the weekend and uh we'll have that finances article up soon i guess i didn't even know that i have to go check i my know own i site. just i just slipped it in there before the show so sneaky, sneaky. gotta keep on your toes yeah, you do. But that's going to do it for this episode of the GPL Podcast. Obviously, you thank Brian Deutsch for coming on the show with us this week. We'll be back next Thursday night um, uh, at 7.30 p.m. earlier time because I, I will be traveling and I'll be in a couple time zones away. So we'll do that. And uh, we're going to have Cappy on as a guest. It's obviously, um, they're playing Ohio State next weekend. So that will be good. So for those of you watching live, I'll have a little bit of overtime here. For the rest of you, we'll catch you next week on the GPL podcast.